It's in Psalm 139. And I might ask some of you to read some of the things as I don't have them all printed out. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Verse 18, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. So I don't know if you say these things to your kids at night, but we go always through this, how much do you love me? I love you to the sun and back. I love you to the moon and back. I love you as much as the water, drops of water on the earth. And then you go, I love you as much as all the sand at the sea. And then they always go, oh. Because that's like uncountable. Um, even asked me the other day, like, let's just clear out what is furthest, the sun or the moon or the stars. <laughs> then I said, I think the stars. And he said, then you should always say I love you to the stars and back. Um, but God is saying, how many are my thoughts toward you? They are as many as the sand of the sea. And, and when I tell even I love him as much as the grains of the sand of the sea, I don't really know what I'm talking about. You know, I don't know how many there are. I don't know if love can be quantified like that. I don't know if I love him that much because I don't know how much that is. But when God says it, God knows what he's talking about. God actually knows how many grains of sand there are. And he actually knows what that amount means. And he says it's more than that. So for each one of you sitting here right now, God has in this moment more thoughts about you than there are grains of sand. And it's not a metaphor, it's literal. And this is why the prophetic is amazing. Because right now, God has more thoughts about Isabelle than the grains of sand on the earth. And if I can hear God's voice for Isabelle, is, does he have something to say about her right now? Yes. <laughs> more things than what I could hear God has to say about Isabelle right now. And what are God's thoughts about Isabelle? What kind of thoughts are they? What is God like? God is good. God is love. What are his thoughts about Isabelle like? They are good. They are love. They are hope. And there's more of them than there are grains of sand. And if, if I am used to asking God, someone describes it as picking up the mail. So it's, it's like there's an inbox for Isabelle and it has more messages than grains of sand. And they're all from God, and they're all good, and they're all love and hope. If I am used to, when I look at someone, checking the inbox, I just check in with God, what is he thinking now about Isabelle? Not that I could check all the messages because there are too many, but I could at least pick up some of them. <laughs> if I could get into the habit of doing that, and if I could understand how to do that and train myself to do that, then every time I look at someone, I see more things than I can handle that God is thinking about them right now. And yes, does God loves it. Yes, that's something he's thinking about right now. We know that. I know that God loves Anne. I know that God loves Rachel. I know that God loves Ozon. But I'm not talking about generic things. I'm talking about specific relational things. Not something that he's necessarily saying to everyone generically right now, but something that he's saying to Anne right now specifically. And this is what the prophetic is. So this is the three-hour session, which I will not complete. <laughs> I will probably give you, I'm going to go half an hour, so I'm giving you a sixth of the whole thing. <laughs> um, but we will still roll it out, but I'm, I'm excited to be able to just start to share this morning. And this is what the prophetic is. If you read 1 Corinthians 14, so 
1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Those are important ones, and, and perhaps even after this morning, it would be great if this week you can read them. Just read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Read it a few times and start thinking about the concepts. Um, prepare yourself for when we, when we go further with this as well. But if, if I read in 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 1, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Who knows, who has noticed that God says the best gift is prophecy? Okay, I just read it, so. <laughs> who has wondered about that? Okay, so it's really bothered me. So I'm a, a, a kind of logical, structured kind of personality in some ways, in my thinking, and um, I don't see why one gift should be put above all the rest. You know what I mean? So God says there's different kinds of gifts in the Bible, and I think something that's important with the spiritual gifts, especially if you have my kind of personality, is to just let go of trying to classify them all, name them all, put them into little groups. The Bible does do that a little bit, um, but I've realized that it's not that simple, and it becomes frustrating to try and classify and define everything. Um, I don't think the list of gifts in the Bible are exhaustive. I think there's more than what is listed because it's not meant to be. The Bible doesn't ever say these are the only 27 and that's what there is. The gifts also operate together. They overlap. Sometimes when, when someone gives someone a word, was it now a word of knowledge? Was it now a prophecy? Was it now a word of wisdom? And you can become so frustrated trying to dissect what it was <laughs> when it's not really about the definition and they do overlap. Still, some people have some gifts. As a Christian, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can operate in all the gifts. But some people are strong in some. So why should prophecy be the best one? Does that mean people who are strong in prophecy are the best people? <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> but why, why does one gift get singled out? Does anyone have an idea? Shares God's heart. Gives direction. Yeah. Other things build on that. Hold on. Mm. So that everyone desires it, you know. I can't yet. Seasonal. Okay. Mm. It's the voice of God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Johannes, last one. Mm. Amen. Yeah. So you're all leading on to this, the, and you ended it well in the highlights. <laughs> if you pray for someone for healing, okay, so y it is possible to see someone has a broken leg and walk up to them and have a specific prayer in mind that you formulated beforehand and just pray that prayer. Is that normally how it works, though? And actually, that's fine. It's completely fine to do that. But is that normally how it works? No. How do you normally pray for people for healing? Often, you would actually first have a word about who needs healing. Sometimes you know who needs healing. Um, 
when you walk up to the person and pray for them, often, mostly, you would start praying something that you didn't premeditate. You don't have like one memorized word-by-word prayer that you pray every time. If someone did that and it was biblical, it's actually okay, but it's normally not what you do. You actually hear what the Lord is saying to you and then you pray that. Prophecy and moving in the prophetic, it's hearing the voice of God. And every other gift depends on you being able to do that. So prophecy is the greatest gift because with prophecy you can operate in every other gift. If you can move in the prophetic, you can move in every other gift. And that is why the scripture says, desire more than everything else that you could prophesy. So I think it's time well spent when we get together and we talk about the prophetic and we practice it. And I commend you because even this morning, I commend you as a church that you are doing that. You are hearing the voice of God. Many people this morning intentionally positioned themselves to hear the voice of God. And that is amazing. And I'm just going to share a few things around that. I want to speak quickly about one scripture which often um, confuses people. So I ended there saying, He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So clearly in the New Testament, which is what we 1 Corinthians is, God gives three purposes for prophecy. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So, I mean, from years of my Christian life, I could say that first without having an idea what edification and exhortation mean. I know what comfort means. Um, But I want to look at those three things, and and I think sometimes there's two things that confuse people about the prophetic, and I'm speaking about the first one now, and, and the first one I'm speaking about is what is the prophetic for? And we have the Bible, and everything that we know from God, we know from the Bible, this is the full truth. But we also know that the Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament. And we know that it's different. There's things that are not the same in the Old and the New Testament. And the, the defining factor is the fact that Jesus died on the cross. Jesus dying on the cross changed everything. He didn't take away the law, but he fulfilled the law. So in the Old Testament, there's a lot of prophecy. Two-thirds of the Bible is prophecy. Did you know that? Two-thirds of all scripture is prophecy which also makes it a worthwhile topic for us (laughs) to be discussing. But you might read some of the prophecy in the Old Testament and get confused about what prophecy is for now because we are living in the New Testament time. We are in the New Covenant because Jesus died on the cross. So it gives us three words. It says edification, exhortation, comfort. Now, if you think about Old Testament prophecy, what comes to mind? Think of what the prophet said. Doom and gloom, yes. Woe to you, turn and ban, yeah? If you do not repent, God will smite you. Um, woe to this city, they will be taken over. There was also good things. Does someone remember good things? Yeah, lots of prophecy about Jesus coming, the Savior coming. And lots of times people were encouraged. Joshua, Gideon, says, what did they say? Be of good courage. Strengthen yourself. This is prophecy because it's the voice of God. It's someone telling someone else what God is saying. Um, what do they say? Be, be of good courage, strengthen your heart, and I will be with you. If you go and look through a lot of things, a lot of times that they said something to people, it, it takes those three things. Those three things pull through exactly to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification is basically saying, be strong. It speaks about a virtue that you have, a quality that you are given, strength. Edification is be strong. Exhortation is be brave. So it speaks about a specific mission. So 
Edification says be strong. It says be something. Exhortation says be brave. It says do something. Do something specific. Comfort says I'm with you. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. And those are the three goals of prophecy. So when we look at the Old Testament and we hear prophets saying that the city is going to go under or God's going to punish someone, that is based on the wrath of God, the wrath of God. And the wrath of God was fulfilled in the cross. God is not angry anymore <laughs> because his anger was fulfilled at the cross. So when we speak for God, we cannot speak in anger. Then we're not speaking for God. And I think that's, that's something that has confused a lot of people about the prophetic. Prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. So if you are giving a prophetic word to someone, or if someone is giving a prophetic word to you, basically it should be saying, be strong, be brave, God is with you. Possibly it will say something about you, I see something in you. Like so, and when, even now when I look at you, I see um, a plant growing. I see growth, some seeds that the Lord have planted in you, and it's growing. And it's still young. It's like a tender plant, um, but it's so precious. And it, I sense like it's vulnerable, but I even want to say to you, God is protecting it. So I didn't just say, be, be brave, be strong, be comforted. I looked at her. I checked the mail with God, and I saw what God is saying to Sue Anne right now. This is one of God's thoughts to Sue Anne right now. I'm just a person. I can always be wrong. Let's also put that out there. Um, we never take what someone says as the, the undiluted word of God. It's not. This is the undiluted word of God. This is where you can hear God's voice perfectly. <laughs> Any other place, you always have to check it. And you always have to allow for human error. So not saying I'm God, not saying I'm, I'm hearing perfectly. But I check the mailbox, what God is feeding for Sue Anne, because this is what I practice. This is my gift, and this is what I've practiced for years. And... She should check what I'm saying. Does it come down to be brave, be strong, be comforted? If someone comes to you and, and it's, it's, you walk away and it makes you feel guilty. So what kind of prophecy makes you feel guilty? I haven't seen a lot of the direct like, you are in sin, repent. I hope no one does that. <laughs> That's not of God. Who convicts us? The Holy Spirit. Okay. Who knows 2 Timothy 3.16? Who knows what that says? So, so Familiar one. All scripture is profitable for instruction, correction, rebuke, and teaching. So what do we use to rebuke and correct people? Scripture. Is there a place in the body of Christ to, for rebuking and correcting? Yes. What is the proper place for it? In love and relationship. Different kinds of relationship, maybe leader to someone, maybe friend to friend. But if there's no relationship, then there's no place for correcting and rebuking. It comes with relationship and it should always come in love. Everything should come in love. Prophecy should always come in love. 1 Corinthians 13, everything comes in love. If you don't come in love, don't even start. <laughs> this is always the way to start anything. Lord, give me your love for that person. That's the first step. Don't even go anywhere without the first step. You, you, it's not like you can make it happen in yourself that you love someone, but you just, you just position yourself. Lord, show me how you love Sue Anne. That's how you start. Because then you are coming in line with God's heart. Um, but just getting back to... What was I getting back to? 
Yes. So uh, there's not a place in prophecy to correct and rebuke. Do you know when I've seen that? I've seen that when, you, when you're a little bit um, not brave. So I'm, I'm not brave enough to tell Etienne or Lydia to say, Etienne, I think you're not treating Susan well. No, no, no. Then I pray for Etienne. And in my prayer, I go, Lord, I just believe the Lord is saying, just, I just want to pray that you strengthen the marriage and you help Etienne. And do you know what that is? Cowardice. It's manipulation. And actually, I've used the Lord's voice to manipulate. Don't do that. <laughs> Prophecy is not the place for correcting or rebuking. But the Bible says scripture is profitable for correction and rebuke. Because we don't correct and rebuke out of our thinking. We correct over out of whether it's in line with the word or not. You don't need anyone to be in line with you. <laughs> you need we encourage each other to be in line with the word. This is the standard. There's no other standard. This is it. So prophecy is not for correcting, it's not for rebuking. It's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Prophecy is not for exposing, and we're going to talk about that now. And you must never walk away from a prophecy feeling ashamed, feeling further from God, feeling hopeless, or feeling afraid. If someone comes and says to you, if you don't do this, you're going to have a miscarriage, or you're going to be in an accident, that is not the voice of the Lord. God doesn't threaten, and God does not bring disaster. It's not the voice of the Lord. It's not the way the Lord speaks. A subtle way which we sometimes can prophesy a little bit incorrectly is if I'm praying for Anne, I'm just making this up now, and I'm saying, um, yeah, I see you in a dark room, and the Lord is moving you out of the dark room, and it's been very dark, but he's bringing light, um, and he's saying, don't be afraid. What would that person, if when I leave now after that prayer, what do they feel? Yeah, afraid. And, and what, what do they think I've just communicated to them? And in fact, what do they feel God has just communicated to them? They've been doing something wrong. They've been allowing fear. Could that be true? Yes. Does God condemn us even on something that's true? No. He convicts. A better thing, you might see that and it might actually be true. But the biblically correct thing to say, you, you, all your words must be redemptive because God is always redemptive. So what you say is, I see the Lord wants to bring a fearlessness upon you. And the Lord wants to encourage you. And he wants to grow your strength and your boldness. If that's what the Lord is saying, don't make it up. But, and I see the Lord bringing you to a place of light. Don't mention the darkness. Everything you say can grow. If you mention a dark place, you've put the picture of the dark place in the head and that picture can grow. You mention the redemption. You mention the light. I think sometimes people don't like prophecy or they feel a little bit, they want to distance themselves a bit from it because prophecy has not always been handled correctly. And this is also why we check in church when someone brings a word. Um, we mostly check what they're going to say before they say it. Not because for any silly reason, but because we want to have a safe environment. When I'm not leading, I also let my words be checked. <laughs> um, and we help each other to perhaps see what is the Lord saying to the church or what is he just saying to you and, and how it, what is the correct way to bring it across so that it has a full redemptive purpose of what the Lord wants to do. So that's the first thing is what is the goal of prophecy? And sometimes people, that can put people off if that is not in place. And 
together with the goal of prophecy, um, just also the association of prophets and prophetic people, I found that there's sometimes been an idea that uh, a prophetic person is allowed to be weird or is weird or late or sloppy or rude, inappropriate. And um, that is a subculture that's unbiblical. Nothing about prophecy allows sloppiness, weirdness, lateness, rudeness, inappropriateness. <laughs> and if any of you have experienced that, I repent on that person's behalf. And I ask the Lord to heal that place in your heart. I really repent if that's happened to you. That certainly happened to me quite a lot. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things is if you prophesy to people, um, it's good to ask their permission. Yes, we in church a little bit different, but especially out there, you don't just walk up to someone and give them a prophecy. Who says they wanted it? I've had people walk up to me and prophesy to me without my permission, and I feel I don't like it. Even if it was the prophecy was correct, I don't feel loved. I feel like you've bombarded me with something that I didn't have a choice in. I feel like you've overridden my will. We don't override people's wills. We move in love, and love is to ask. And if I have a genuine word for Lydia, and I ask if I can share it, and she says no, which she never will, but <laughs> if she did, then I say, God bless you, thank you. I don't give it. God doesn't force things down on us. We don't force things down on other people. And I repent if anyone has ever forced something down on you. And let the Lord lift that off from you. That's a one misconception. The other one, and I want to read the scripture, and we're just going to talk about it a little bit. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 24 and 25. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Okay, so here we are sitting in church. Someone walks in right now. A lady walks in, we don't know her, and she's an unbeliever. She does not know Christ. She comes and sits in the front, and I say, okay, let's all stand. We're going to prophesy. And Ivan and Isabelli prophesied to her, and, and we're we sketching the scenario in this scripture now. Now she, it says the secrets of her heart are revealed, and she falls on her face and she worships God. What would be the kind of prophecy that Ivan and Isabelli just gave her? What secrets of her heart were revealed? How have you thought of this scripture? Who's heard the scripture before? Okay, people, how have you thought of it? What have you thought that means? How have you thought we should apply that in church? Okay. It's 24, 25. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in. So let's say we're all standing here, and we're all prophesying, and a lady walks in that we don't know, and she doesn't know Christ. This lady is convinced by all. She's convicted by all. The secrets of her heart are revealed through the prophesying. And so, falling on her face, she will worship God and report that God is truly among us. How do you imagine what did that prophesying look like? What kind of things were was it? The Bible says the secrets of her heart were revealed. Yes. A deep question. Mm. 
Yeah. So a deep question of the heart and connected to love. A deep need. Yes. Deep need. Do you know that some translations translate secrets of the heart as sins of the heart? Have you heard that vision? And then the ideas that a lady comes in and we're all prophesying and say, even Isabelle, look at her and they say, we actually see that you lie a lot or you've stolen something. A secret sin of the heart or you covet or whatever it is. So many people interpret the scripture that way and some translations even translate it that way. The scripture says she will then fall on her face and worship God. Is that likely to happen? No. <laughs> what is likely to happen? If we're all standing up, someone who walks in and doesn't know God, and someone exposes their sin, what's likely to happen? She'll run out and be very offended. <laughs> that would be so terrible. Um, so a lot of people interpret the scripture that way, and therefore they say that one of the New Testament reasons and purposes of prophecy is to expose sins of people's hearts. Do you think most people are aware of their sin? Yes. Does it, is it like, can you close your eyes and think of your sin? Yes. Is it hard for you to know what your sins are? Sometimes the, the roots of it, yes, but I mean, in essence, no. People, even unbelievers, who do not even label something as sin, they'll call it a naughty habit or a, you know what I mean? They have different words for it, but they know what it is. Everyone knows you have a, a moral gauge inside of you. Are people generally aware of their, their true identity and the strength, that strength, specific strengths and gifts that God has given them? No. Are you even aware of it? How easy can you close your eyes and see? Who are you? Who did God make you to be? What are your specific strengths and callings and giftings? How much harder is it to see your identity and your giftings and callings than it is to see your sin? Quite a bit harder. Now, even for an unbeliever, it's much harder. You see your identity and you see your giftings through the eyes of God. Because he created you, he's the one who knows what they are. He helps you to see that. And you even grow in seeing that. The devil has no interest in you seeing that. The devil helps you see your sin because it keeps you in condemnation. When, you're not, when someone's not connected to God, the devil is helping them see their sin because it's in his interest. But they are not connected to God. They're not asking God about who they are. They often think they are their sin. They think it's who they are. It's much more valuable and it's much harder to look at someone, not in the, in, in the beginning, it's harder to look at someone and see the giftings and the callings because it's usually hidden. Especially if someone is an unbeliever, it's not obvious yet. It's still hidden inside where the sin is normally quite open. You can probably spot it straight away. You don't even need spiritual discernment. <laughs> probably just see it with your eyes. <laughs> we are in what they say. The value and the purpose of prophecy in the New Testament in exposing the secrets of the heart is to check the mail with the Lord. Check that person's inbox for who they are, what their gifts are, who God has made them to be. Edification, exhortation, comfort. Be strong, be brave, the Lord is with you. And the most 
common and the most effective prophecy with people who are not believers is the gold, seeing the gold, is what we call it. To trust, to learn to look at someone and see in them what the Lord has put in them. Okay, we're going to practice that quickly before the end of the sermon. If you guys can pair up, let's see if two married couples can go together or single people, two people together. Let's make it same gender. Um, Lydia, do you want to maybe go with Rachel? Go with Lydia and then Sue Ann can go. Um, maybe the three of you can go together. Oh, Yunal. Yunal can. Yeah, great. Thanks, Yunal. Then it's easier. Then Sue Ann, you can go with Nyambura. Um, yes. Is there anyone who does not have a partner? So I'm going to guide you, if you can all just give me your attention quickly. So let's just put the ground rules down. I'm going to give you the exercise now. The thing is, you know, if, you, if you're going to go to a restaurant and you're gonna, or you walk in a mall and the Lord shows you something for someone, you know that you can't like, walk up to a stranger and go, I feel the Lord wants to say something. Just give me a second. But just wait, just wait, I'm getting it. Okay, it's, it's a boat. Just wait. You know you can't do that. You see them, you have to walk up to them. You have to be a normal person. Go like, hi, I'm Leona. What's your name? Hi, Lydia. It's nice to meet you. Do you mind if I share something with you? If they say yes, then share. Don't touch them if, they, if you don't have their permission. If you want to put your hands on them, you say, do you mind if I put my hands on you? If, if there's people in church who are not members who I don't know and they come forward, I don't just, I ask, can I pray for you? I ask, can I put my hand on you? We're not rude and overbearing. Um, so I'm going to, with this exercise, I'm going to give you a time limit because we're going to exercise not going for 10 minutes. Da, 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 da. The problem also is, uh, are you a natural person with a spiritual experience or are you a spiritual person having a natural experience? Do you know that you are a spiritual person because you're created in the image of God? You are having a natural experience at the moment because you're on earth. But you're not a natural person having a spiritual experience. Do you know that when God speaks to you, it sounds like your own voice? And if you know that you're a spiritual person having a natural experience, you should think when you hear something, that's, that might be me, but it's probably God. If you were a natural person, you would have thought, that might be God, but it's probably me. But you have to trust that you've given your life to God, and you have to trust that he speaks to you. So if God says something, it's, it might be you, but it's probably God. Just lean towards that side, and the time limits on the exercises help for you not to go through 10 cycles in your head of, is it me, is it not me, is it me, God, is it you, give me another confirmation, is it you, just give me a scripture as well. <laughs> okay, okay, if they say that, then I'll say that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you a very short time limit, just so that you can hear what the Lord is saying and say it. Um, we are practicing this morning, so we're going to be graceful, and, and not, we will make mistakes, and that's great, that, that's what we call practice. We have to be somewhere in the safe space where we can make mistakes. So we're going to have grace towards the other people if they make mistakes. You can make a mistake in hearing the Lord incorrectly perhaps, but what you must get right is that what you say must be edification, exhortation, comfort. You may only say things that are encouraging, positive, hopeful, and good. Remember, if you happen to see a dark room, then you say, 
The Lord is bringing you to light. Don't mention the dark room. Okay, so everything you say must be redemptive. Just That's the one thing you can take a second. Just check the words that's going to come out that it's redemptive. Now, I'm, we're going to do this in a specific way. And we're going to use names. Okay, so when there's a lot of scripture, now, I don't want to take too much time reading all of the scripture, but Genesis 17, God said to Abraham, this will be a new name and this is why. And he prophesied to him according to his names. You, your name, this will be your name because you'll be a father of many nations. Matthew 16, God said to him, to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So he used his name to prophesy. So we can use things like, a, you know what a springboard is? So when you do gymnastics and you want to do a specific jump, you run and you jump on that little springboard and then you do your thing. It's just something to launch you. It's not the thing itself. It's just something to get you going. Because you need to overcome your own fear and your own inertia. Um, and as you get more practice, it becomes more natural. And you're allowing the Lord to use something to get you going. So God in the Bible used names to prophesy to people. So where there are two married couples together and the ladies can go together, the men can go together for this one. And you're going to, maybe you know the person's name, maybe you don't, but you, you just ask the person to say their name. And when they say their name, then you're going to use something about their name. So Rachel, so now she's, I know what her name is, Rachel. So the moment, the first thing that comes to me is Ray, the first part of the name. Then I think of jewelry, dear Ray. And then I, I think of, this is how it works. Then I think of, the, it's often plants, jewelry of plants. And then I let the Lord speak to me about it. Okay, so what I'm seeing now, Rachel, is um, it's like the, in your life the Lord brings two things together, the growth and the tenderness of plants, but the, um, the value and the sturdiness of the jewelry. So I think it's like a process that you always have to trust the Lord with, is that there would be both. And, and just relax in the sense that both are there. The Lord is doing both. He grows something in you and it's vulnerable. But you can trust him that he will also bring the strength and the value to it. Because okay, so I'm not um, doing word association. Okay? I am trusting the Lord. So it, it's not like a thing that you can go and do in a company with unsafe people and think it's going to work out. <laughs> it's not natural what I'm doing. But it, it comes very naturally because I'm a spiritual person. Okay? Also because I've practiced it for a long time. But... It will come naturally to you now, and I don't, I'm going to put a time limit so that you don't question too much. Um, but you trust that the Lord is speaking to you, and you're going to use the name to do it. Sometimes someone will tell you their name, and you will actually know what that name means, and, and the Lord will tell you something about that. Sometimes it's something in how it sounds. Whatever the Lord gives you, you're going to use that. Okay, so, um, so it should be two, two people everywhere now. Same gender. And then one of the two, just put up your hand. Of each group, just one. Put up their hand. Are oh, you guys three? Um, is Duncan going to join in? No. Um, so one, the group of three guys and the group of three ladies, one guy and lady can go together from each group so that it's... Um, yeah, it's actually cool if you go together... Isabelle and Ivan, or whoever. Because otherwise it'll take too long. Okay, so one of each group has their hand up. Okay, so the one with the hand up is going to go first. 
then we just eliminate wasting time on arguing about who goes first. So I'm going to give you one minute. I'm going to say, and go. You ask the other person to say their name, even if you know it. Just let them say it so you can hear it. And then you just speak from there. Okay, go. Okay, 30 seconds. Okay, and stop. <laughs> okay, so now the one who's been receiving, just give quick feedback. And be honest, we're here to learn. You just say, this resonated with me, that didn't resonate with me, I'm not sure about this thing. Okay, just a few seconds, just give the person some feedback. Okay, so now we're going to switch around. Okay, so let me just reset my timer. So if you're ready, then the other person now does the same. Okay, and go. 20 seconds left. Okay, stop. And then the other person just give a little bit of feedback. Okay, just finish off in a few seconds. Okay, I want one person who, when, that, when the other person was speaking to you, they said something which was incredibly accurate. Is there someone like that? Okay, Lydia, come forward quickly. Let's find a guy, Sean. Just share with us, if you don't mind. Um, so, I, Rachel said that she saw me dancing, like in circles, like an Indian dancer. Um, well, I don't, I don't know, but, <laughs> yeah, um, and that just stood out for me, especially because for many years now, whenever people prophesy about me, they say this exact thing, so, yeah. So, so Reno shared, uh, um, the words precision and precise and detail, and it's something that um, God's been talking to me quite recently, um, despite all the, the move moving in my life, like we moved here and all of those things, and I've been challenging God the whole time. It's like, yeah, this, this feels a bit like chaos. And um, so it's, it's quite accurate in saying this is currently what God is dealing with me and just reminding me again that th these are the things that I've put in you. So it's just a good reminder. Um, sure. Uh, Reno, can you say how you got that from his name? Thank you. <laughs> but I love that. <laughs> it's not unfair advantage. Okay. Okay, cool. So the amazing thing is how differently the Lord gets different people to what he wants to say. Everyone here is unique, 
No one is the same. There aren't like four types of prophetic boxes and everyone fits in one of the boxes. Everyone is unique. And it's amazing to learn the way that the Lord does it with you, which will be different from someone else. So we need to do one more exercise. So you must swap, get a new partner quickly. If you can, try find someone that you don't know. Try to find someone you don't know. Niambura, maybe you can go with Leanne or, or Alzon. Niambura, well, one of you. Is there, why is there one extra lady now? Is there extra, Leanne? Oh, one lady went with a guy. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you'll have to do for me as well. <laughs> okay, so just to give you that, we're going to do it differently, just to give you the con scriptural context for what we're doing. So what I always love to say about the prophetic is um, sometimes if you even think of, um, you know, David dancing before the Lord, it, Definitely in scripture, around the prophetic, weird things happen. Definitely. People fall over. There's in scripture, it says about people shaking, laughing. Then there's about hitting arrows on the ground, weird prophetic actions. So we're not afraid when the Lord does that, but we are never weird to be weird. Uh, we don't value, weirdness is not a value that we have or ever, or that we try to aim for. Because sometimes in prophetic circles, it gets like this. Like the weirder you can be, the cooler it was. And um, I'm really not for that. Um, God is a God of order. We, we surrender to the Holy Spirit. And when he moves, we let him move. And we don't um, stop him. And, but we keep the order that the Lord has in church. But we don't promote weirdness to be weird. So even in the exercises, I just want to uh, really um, reconfirm that we, we do things that are scriptural. I've had a group of students from our church who went to a Bible school of another church and they came back and I found them in the mom's room with spoons trying to, they put the spoon like this and they try and keep it with their eyes. So they let go of their hand, then they try and keep it on the wall with their eyes. So I said, you know, what is the point of this exercise? <laughs> and they said they're building faith. So I said, um, if you look at the Bible, what is the point of faith? Okay, faith is in relationship with God and faith is for salvation. I don't see the, the spoon on the wall. I don't know how you're going to pull that back to your relationship with God or salvation. So uh, really what you're doing is magic. Um, and this, the realm that you're operating from is not the right one. That realm does not lead to salvation or relationship with God. So, so just to reaffirm, we don't do exercises that are not biblical, and that's why it's important that I give you the biblical backing. Okay, so this one we're going to do is from... Um, something that you see things seen around us okay so romans 1 verse 20 for since the creation of the world god's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse so god reveals eternal things in in the spiritual realm he reveals them through things that are made through the natural realm jeremiah 1 verse 11 he said to jeremiah what do you see Jeremiah said, I see the branch of an almond tree. 
And it, it's, it's very probable that he literally saw, like in a tree, and the branch. He was like standing somewhere where there was an almond tree, and he saw the branch of an almond tree. It's like me saying, I see a bottle of water. It's not very spiritual. I see <laughs> a bottle of water. It's like happens to be in front of me. Um, and then the Lord, is, Jeremiah saw something in the natural realm, and then the Lord spoke to him. He said, you have seen well, for I'm ready to perform my word. He goes on and he prophesies from that. And he teaches, God teaches Jeremiah to prophesy from something that is seen. Um, Amos 7 verse 8, 8 verse 2, Zechariah 4 verse 2, 5 verse 2. So Amos and Zechariah, while well, God looks at them, he says, what do you see? Zechariah says, I see a lampstand. Amos says, I see a bowl of fruit. So they see something and then God pro prophesies from there and he teaches them who were major prophets to prophesy from something that they see. Okay, so we're doing something biblical. So what we're going to do is, I'm again going to time you and you're going to um, look at the person in front of you and you're going to see what you see. So when I s look at Leanne, I see immediately I see her necklace and it's black but it's um, shiny. So it's, it, I see a contrast. I see... Um, and it's like the Lord is also alerting me to the, um, the fact that it's probably very hard. It looks like a kind of a hard stone to me. Um, so I see that, that contrast where the Lord um, does something and it's, he brings the strength to it by the, the pressure that he puts on it. Like form, uh, Stones are formed. And even though the stone is black, it's shiny. Um, and it's like even the Lord says, so I feel like it's specifically shiny now also because of the way that this room is. So it's a specific environment that would make that necklace shine. So I just feel the Lord says there's some things that he's put in your life that he's strengthened and in it won't always be seen. In some circumstances it won't be seen. Um, some environments. But it's also for you to find the right environment where you should take that out. Because if you take it out in the right environment it will catch the light. It's not your light. Like the, Also that, that necklace doesn't have light. It comes from somewhere else. It reflects the light of God. But in the right environment, um, it's your responsibility to bring it there. And in the right environment, it's your responsibility to take it out, to show it. But God will reflect on it. And, and then you will know that that is what he has created that for. Okay, so I look at it, I see something, and I know nothing up front. I just start to say what I see, and I just let the Lord take it somewhere. Again, I'm not making it up. I'm connecting to the Lord. Um, and, and I did pray during the worship, and I, I invited the spirit of prophecy, and I've trained for many years, and I'm, I'm imparting my grace to you as well. So it's different right now, yeah, because you're in this environment. So I want you to have that boldness and trust to move in this environment, um, because this environment is now set up for you, um, to be able to move in that, and trust that you're not hearing yourself, you're not just thinking things up, but that you're moving with Holy Spirit. Okay, so again, one put up a hand. And then obviously I'm going to let the other one start now. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting my timer. You're going to have a minute. Uh, reset. Okay. And so the first person, go. Okay, time. Okay, I just want to um, remind us again, I would like to just remind this over and over, edification, exhortation, comfort, just remember everything you say to check that it's 
helpful, that it's positive, that it's hopeful. Remember, if you see something that's like uh, anything that's like fear or coming out of a difficult place, just phrase it that you only speak what is redemptive. Um, so maybe, okay, so just quickly give some feedback and then I'll let the second person go. Okay, finish feedback and second person go. Thirty seconds left. Okay, second person should be finished now, and then you can just give feedback again. Okay, and finish up five seconds. Okay, then show of hands, is there anyone who had something that the person said to you that was very accurate? Okay. You now and Machtel and um, Reno and Johan, come share quickly. And we're going to finish off with that. Come some other way. Okay, everyone, your minute is passed. So, Johan saw my socks. You guys can see that. Okay. And so he said, uh, sometimes uh, I forget that God really is so close to me as the sock that I wear. I sometimes forget you forget that you have socks on. You just know it's there. Um, so, that was uh, spot on because I'm really in a season of not always feeling God's closeness, if that makes sense, and that he's always there. And the other thing that he said, he saw these little yellow uh, arrows pointing forward and uh, basically saying God is uh, directing my steps. So it was just a confirmation that God really is there and he's really directing me through the season and time, even if it feels that I'm lost. Cool. So Reno was reminded of uh, the Rocky series, Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Thank you, Rena. Very accurate. I receive it. I love you for it. Um, so yeah, he saw that and he saw me training. Um, the latest Rocky movie, obviously not as good as the original, but uh, the new guy being trained by the actual Rocky. Um, and just a season of training and God lifting me up and raising me up. And uh, sometimes it feels hard. I forget a what I'm training for, why am I here, why am I suffering, what am I training for, forget the big picture. Um, and he just uh, concluded with uh, the phrase, I'm training to, training for raining, training for raining, which I also received. Thank you. Okay, so Machtel saw um, my scarf, which is a flowery scarf, um, and my golden shoes, and um, she was thought of a rank plant, I don't know what's that in English. <laughs> um, fine kind of thing and um and then she she mentioned um that she sees me as she's me as a fragrance and that when people are around me that they feel fragrance that they feel loved and that that um that i have the ability to bring um gold out of out of people and it is so funny i'm a life goat <laughs> yay loving it and um so when i started to study for life coaching god said to me um you're a fragrance giver um, and that you're going to bring fragrance out of people. So, 
Um, so, you know, I'll say when she looked at me, she saw my, um, the beanie and my, the gold in my ring, and she saw that it, I'm someone who brings warmth um, to people and to relationships and make people feel loved and create a home. And um, I'm the eldest of four children. We don't have parents. So, like, that's something that I've always tried to do and like to bring that warmth and to be that home um, for my family. So I think it was just, you know, so cool to hear that. Yeah, we celebrate God. He's amazing. Uh, closing note, we, I want to encourage us to, to grow in this. Um, and, you know, as Christians, when you're in a, in a room and someone gives prophecies, and, you know, you sometimes feel like, oh, please speak me. <laughs> um, I want to encourage you, you know, that as a Christian, you can hear the voice of God for yourself. So everyone in this room, you know God, and you should never hear something primarily for a prophecy. You should hear it from God, and then prophecy should confirm, as everyone has been sharing now, which is amazing. Um, so, so granted sometimes to the other people that you don't get picked, but that the others get picked. But the amazing, amazing, one of the amazing values of prophecy is for people who don't hear the voice of God. You've heard the voice of God a lot of times this morning, and you hear the voice of God hopefully every day. But there are people who've never heard it. But you can hear the voice of God for them. You can check the inbox for them when you see them. Because anyone that you walk out and see in that moment, God has more than a million good thoughts about them. And you are the one who hears the voice of God, who can hear that for them and say that to them. If you use some of these methods, in here we give the biblical back backing, we understand what we do. If you use it out there, just skip the whole how you got to it <laughs> part. Don't tell them your top makes me think of this and it leads to that. and da, da, da. Do that in your head. Just give the bottom line because they will find what you're saying weird, and they will not understand how that is God speaking. They will think you are making associations, and it's different. We're not making associations. We're trusting God to speak through what we see, but someone who doesn't know God doesn't understand that. So you use the method, but you don't say it all. You just say the bo what it ends up with. Let it be edification. Let it be exhortation. Let it be comfort. Move from love. When you see someone, you feel God wants to say something to them, quickly go in your head, Lord, let me love them as you love them. Don't worry if you don't feel it, it's not a feeling. You've asked it, it's enough. You've asked your, your good intentions. Go to them, trust the Lord to speak something to them. Do it in love, do it gracefully, ask permission. And may the world be blessed by hearing the voice of God because we are actually able to give it. And I also want to ask, please, in small group Wednesday that you practice this, um, at least do at least one round of exercise in small groups so that we grow amongst each other. I'm going to finish off in prayer. Is there anyone who has one or two questions about the prophetic? I can answer one or two if there is, and then I'm going to finish off. Anything that's unclear or something I said this morning? Mm. Okay, yeah, we'll spend some time on that. But actually, um, uh, I guess you could teach them associations, but I find with my kids that they hear God so easily, you actually just teach them to say what, they hear God is saying. With my kids, we've said to them, like, close your eyes and see what God is saying. And for a long time, it's, it, it's like nothing, <laughs> or they make it up. But then somewhere, it happens. And then when it happens, you just really celebrate it. Um, and with kids, it's very, um, it's okay, actually, if they make it up, and you don't discourage it, and you don't reprimand them. You kind of go with it. Like, Evan, he's very imaginative. So he hears from God, but he also adds to it. So the stories become like... <laughs> And I'm not sure which is which. I'm not sure which was the Lord. I can sense God is speaking to him, but the stories are so elaborate that I'm like a lot of that is his imagination. But I don't. I encourage it. I don't discourage it. 
I just go, wow, that's amazing. He always says to me what, where Jesus took him at night and what they did. And I don't know, is he dreaming? Is God really taking him at night somewhere? Or is some of it what it just his imagination? I don't always know. But I just encourage it because I'm not going to discourage something that God is doing. And as he grows, like all of us, it will become more clear to him. But we'll spend a lot of more time on that some other time. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Thank you, Lord, for this morning and that you're so good and that you love us. Thank you for every encouraging word. And thank you, Father, that as a byproduct, a lot of us have been encouraged this morning by what you're saying. Thank you that you speak. Thank you that as a community, we have the voice of God for each other. And thank you, Lord, that we can take that role of not primarily being the voice of God because we all hear you for ourselves, but that we can take that role of being the confirming voice of God. Thank you, Lord, that you stir us this morning to be our brothers, keep us in the sense of encouragement and to, that we would be open to you even in the week to encourage each other prophetically, Lord, because you speak. Thank you that you stir us this week to do that. And I've seen some of you have that on your heart and then you just commit that to God that once this week or however many times, maybe once a day, you're going to pray for someone and you're going to send them what you feel as long as it's edification, exhortation and comfort. And thank you, Lord, that, um, that you're going to help us, God, challenge us with people we see this week, that we bring the voice of God to them, challenge us in small group this week, let us grow. Thank you that I can bless each person here. Thank you that they have, they are your sheep, they do hear your voice. They are spiritual people, they have the voice of God more than they think. Thank you that, that you grow them, that you strengthen them, Lord, that you reaffirm them and encourage them and give them a boldness. You are, train us, Lord. Expand us. We want to be grown by you. And we thank you just that we can also hear your voice for ourselves. I just sense the Lord saying there's some of you here. You need to do this with yourself one morning. You need to look in the mirror and you need to say to yourself what the Lord is saying to you. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. The rules do not change because you're speaking to yourself. You're not going to speak to yourself negatively. Speak about sin. Edification, exhortation, comfort. But you're going to speak that over yourself. We thank you, Lord for just the specific people that you want to lead to that place. We honor you, we glorify you. May your name be glorified, Lord. Thank you that you protect us this week and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.